Welcome to the St. Andrew Sunday Morning Sermon Podcast. No matter who you are, where you've been, what you believe, or whether you even believe at all, you belong here. The story of the Magi, which we're about to hear, foreshadows later developments in Matthew's Gospel. We find this morning that even in infancy, Jesus inspires both worship and hostility, responses that are repeated throughout the story. Considered a literary masterpiece, this brief episode, what we read in Matthew's story, has captured the imagination of Christians for centuries and inspired the formation of numerous legends. Over time, and often portrayed, the Magi came to be misidentified as kings, probably due to an association of this passage with one from Isaiah 60. Matthew's story is indeed about kings and wise men, but these figures are people other than the Magi. So if the Magi are not kings or wise men, What then are they? In Matthew's narrative, kings are contrasted with servants, and wise men are contrasted with infants. The Magi in Matthew 2 are depicted as persons who do as they're instructed, who seek no honor for themselves, and who gladly humble themselves, kneeling before the Christ child. In short, the central message of this text may be framed not as an answer, but really as a question. Whom does God favor in this world? Not kings or wise men, it turns out, but the magi, who each embody qualities that this gospel will declare antithetical to the traits of the royal and the wise. So ironically, in recasting the story so that the Magi actually become kings or wise men, we end up subverting the message until the text actually supports notions it was intended to suppress. Here now, this great familiar passage from Matthew chapter 2. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star in the east and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, Herod inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, For so it has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the Magi and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen in the east, until it stopped over the place where the child was. 
when they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. And then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. So the Christmas feast is already a fading memory. Lent and Good Friday cannot be very far off, but for the time being, we are all here. In his classic poem, For the Time Being, W.H. Auden captured this time of year oh so well. Here we are, but it's not that we're quite done with Christmas yet. And if you're anything like me, I haven't even gotten Christmas put away. We are still traveling. Maybe before packing up the nativity set at your house, you inched the Magi closer to the Holy Family as we approached January 6th, also known as Three Kings Day in many Latin American countries. January 5th is actually the 12th day of Christmas, the final day of Christmas, and on January 6th, the Christian calendar turns into a new season. Now, the origins of Epiphany as a church festival are somewhat vague, as is the very definition of the word epiphany. Epiphany begins with the story of the Magi, three astrologers who follow a brilliant light to the place of Jesus. They go there to honor his birth with gifts. Upon seeing the baby, they fall to their knees and experience joy. Now, their arrival in Bethlehem is recounted in the gospel attributed to Matthew. And the word epiphany generally means both a revealing of God's presence and a sudden leap of understanding, a manifestation, or a discovery. And certainly all the above were true for the Magi. Liturgically speaking, the Christmas season ends with epiphany, a day in which the early church celebrated Jesus' brilliant manifestation, not only to the Magi, but also to the world with his birth and baptism and the first recorded miracle at the wedding in Cana. The story of the Magi has been retold from poets, poems from T.S. Eliot and W.H. Auden. The Magi have been the subject of operas and movies, including, you may know, of Monty Python's The Life of Brian, when the Magi arrived at Brian's home first, and they quickly took their gifts back, realizing they were in the wrong place. And even James Taylor, singer-songwriter, has a story about the Magi, a song of home by another way. The Magi get little attention beyond this fanciful tale, but looking and listening to this story closely, I think they are more than just a tag on to the Christmas story. Now, let's clear something up. If you were really paying attention, 
you would have heard that the Bible actually doesn't say that they were kings or that there were even three of them. Because they were bringing three gifts, people thought there were three magi. And it is often assumed because they brought gifts fit for a king that they themselves were also kings. But really, who are these guys? Scholars would tell us originally they are from Persia. They were dream interpreters, astronomers, fortune tellers, or stargazers. Beyond that, not much is known except they were people who tried to find meaning in following the stars. The Magi are only mentioned one place in the Bible, and that's in the Gospel of Matthew. Now, it should be noted when this gospel was written, within the law of Moses, God forbid to use, God forbid the Jews rather, to use the sun, the moon, the stars for anything but giving light and telling the time of the year. The penalty actually for using the stars, the moon, the light in this way was death. And actually, the Jews likely would have never imagined that God would use the stars to send a message. But as it happened, Gentiles, foreigners, people who didn't even believe in their God, took to the road to follow a newborn king. And as the story goes, the Magi went to visit Herod in Jerusalem and asked where the king of the Jews might be found. King Herod was a little confused and outraged by this because he had declared himself king of the Jews, even though he also was a foreigner and only half Jewish. What we know about Herod is that he was a powerful and heartless man, a man who stole from people, destroyed entire villages, assassinated his opponents without hesitation, and held daily executions of anyone who threatened his power, including his own wife, his three sons, and his closest friends. And so after questioning the Magi, Herod consulted with scholars and recounted what the prophet Micah had wrote, that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, the city of David. And so King Herod sent the Magi to Bethlehem with explicit instructions that if the Magi found anything resembling a royal baby to come back and tell him. So the Magi set out again, following the same star, and this time the star guided them to the Christ child in Bethlehem and to his parents. Overwhelmed with joy, they took to their knees, and they offered baby Jesus strange gifts for a child, but costly gifts, which were the tools of their trade. Upon their return, the Magi were troubled by a warning when they saw Herod's deception in a dream and decided not to go back the way that he had commanded them, but instead went home by another way. In his rage, Herod was fit to be tied and ordered the murder of every male child under the age of two. For all of his enormous power, Herod knew that there was still somebody in diapers who was more powerful still. 
Now, it is a legitimate question if you find yourself sitting there wondering, if the Magi knew the stars so well, why did they go to Jerusalem instead of Bethlehem first? Probably they made the kind of assumption that we would. Would you go and look for a king in a stable? Or would you go and try to find a king in a palace? Common sense would say you would go to the place of power. Now, one of my all-time favorite Christmas pageant stories involves something about common sense. My daughter, Ruby, has always had her own vocabulary pretty much since the time she could talk. She declared that there were crowns, not crayons, that she would be coloring with, and that she would be eating pretzels, not pretzels, because pretzels were just too basic, And often she would yell at cars speeding down the interstate, there goes an incredible instead of a convertible. Her latest request came just last week when she requested a thermos. I said, Ruby, what's a thermos? She said, a thermos is a thermos that keeps things extra warm. So while we found this endearing as her parents, this kind of language that she had developed over the years. We actually took her to get her hearing checked because we just wanted to make sure she was hearing things correctly. Turned out it was just fine. And we started to embrace Ruby's gift of nomenclature. At Dumbarton United Methodist Church, our previous church home, there was a small but mighty kind of ragtag group of kids who often played multiple roles at Christmas pageants. On one particular year, I think Ruby was about six, she was selected to be one of the wise persons. Now, I think that a wise person was really the only option for Ruby because she wouldn't take off the crown. So for about two weeks, we worked with her as a family, trying to help her, encourage her, memorize her lines. And it came time for her Christmas Eve debut. Each time she practiced proudly with her fuzzy Elsa bathrobe on, she would declare, we come, we wise people, bearing gifts of gold, common sense, and fur. (laughs) While she never wavered, no matter how often her brother corrected her, The congregation did just as you did and dissolved into laughter, and a pageant got a standing ovation. I'll never hear the Christmas story again without thinking of gold, common sense, and fur. But it is true that the Magi brought some common sense with them, along with their gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But their common sense of going to Jerusalem instead of Bethlehem almost got Jesus killed. If we read between the lines of Matthew's story of the Magi, we can find another meaning. One that resonates and beckons us today. They went home by another way. You see, the first Christians who followed Jesus weren't actually called Christians. They were called people of the way. The Magi, they went home changed. They weren't the same people they set out to be, 
when they walked that road to follow Jesus. They became wiser as they walked. And although they found the Christ child, they didn't really find what they were looking for. They found that all of their assumptions were wrong. They found a king on God's terms, not their own. It was there in Bethlehem that the Magi had their hearts and minds open, where they dared to see and hear and experience the unimaginable and the unexpected. In doing so, they found another way home. My friends, being people of the way means that we follow a call rather than the illusions of power and comfort. Biblical scholar Walter Brueggemann suggests that like the Magi, we too have a choice. We can take the road back to Jerusalem, yielding to earthly power and principalities, or like the Magi, we can refuse to bend a knee to the Herods of our day and go home by another way. We can go back to our old way of doing things, back to normal and predictable, which will eventually destroy us, or we can choose to step into and walk into the unknown with a hope that turns our expectations and pretensions upside down. The way or the walk of faith often leaves us with ache and awe and so many unanswered questions. And it's the magi that invite us to consider stepping out into the unknown, taking a journey while trusting the path and the one who accompanies us. And yes, the path can look very different from where we first started. Perhaps you too can relate to being in exile, unable to go home the way that you came, strangers even in a strange land. T.S. Eliot in his poem, The Journey of the Magi, describes what it must have been like for the followers of that first star to go home by another way. And he asserts that the challenges didn't stop when they got home. For you see, once you see something so clearly, you can't unsee it. Later this month, here at St. Andrew, we will offer an all-church read of Brian McLaren's book, Do I Stay Christian? I hope that as we read this together and explore our journeys of faith and our stories and our doubts and all that we bring with it, that we tuck away in our head and hearts as we read the story of the Magi. And we see that there are different resources, even in our Christian tradition, to help us imagine a new and different way of finding our way home to God and to being human beyond a prescribed faith. McLaren in his book says, our entire world needs radical rethinking. And that those of us who stay Christian have a phenomenal opportunity to bring the best resources within our tradition to the side of those who are trying to create a new and better future. Now we have no control over people who will try to bend Christianity to preserve the evils of the status quo. 
But it is also true that no one can stop us from using the many resources in our tradition to bring change and love to the world. In the final chapter of his book, he ends with this. In the absence of ease and certainty, what amazing things can happen. Life can happen. Wonder can happen. Faith, hope, love, joy can thrive in the midst of difficulty and uncertainty. A new humanity, humble, just, kind, can be born. Can you even imagine that? And so I find myself reading this story once again, listening to the Magi, and I find myself putting on their shoes, walking in their way, imagining what what compelled them to risk so much without knowing how it would all end. And then I think of them and I think of us gathered here as a congregation at St. Andrew, wondering what we are willing to risk and to step into. What are we willing to leave behind that keeps us comfortable? Recently, I encountered a reflection from Diana Butler Bass, one of my favorite church historians. And she reminded me that epiphanies are surprising and in fact they disrupt our normal course of existence and they come to us in the most unexpected ways in the most unexpected people and places my friends epiphanies are not of our own making and they propel us into action for you see the magi weren't just content gazing upon a star they didn't just remain in some distant locale and admire its glory from afar, they got up. They followed it to its source. And that's what epiphanies do. They grab hold of us. We can't shake them any more than they shake us. And they ask something of us. So I'm curious today, as we begin this new year, what does it look like in your life when there is no other response possible except to keep walking? To keep walking on the path that God has set out before you. For I think what made the Magi wise was their willingness to seek and search and their openness to being transformed. They knew that if they wanted a new life, they would have to leave something of their old life behind. If they wanted to be transformed, they needed to let go of the past to risk a future of God in Christ. The invitation that we heard Rev. Mark read earlier extends to us all. Arise, shine, for your light has come. That invitation may come in the form of a new opportunity for you this year, a new relationship, a chance of adventure, or it may come in the form of a crisis or a grief or a loss or really in anything that calls us from beyond ourselves to a new place and way of being. Or the invitation may come from deep within, a rising up of awareness or illumination from the depth of your being. As you come into your own, as you find your voice, for 
looking at things with the light, we can discern what is foundational to our faith and what is not. And as ill-equipped as we might feel for whatever beckons us, we are not without resources when we begin our journeys of significance. The Magi had each other, the fellowship of the star, if you will. For us, I think it's our community of faith, the guidance and wisdom that is here among us. Every day, I pray for St. Andrew and the people of this church. I pray that we can indeed become a home, a place of belonging, where people can come to learn and pray and play and struggle together with what it means to be human, what it means to walk in the way of Christ, and what it means to be people of the way. Next week, Rev. Mark is going to kick off a sermon series for us, Why Christian? Exploring the paradoxes and questions of the Christian faith. And I think the Magi are going to accompany us on that journey too. For they are reminders that being curious, questioning, challenging norms and expectations, changing courses are a part of being people of the way and not a lack of faith. So today we begin, as the Magi did, whenever light beckons us, not knowing where the journey will lead when we consent to it. May we indeed follow the light, even though we don't know the way. We don't need to know everything to follow Christ, but to simply come as we are, to trust the invitation and the one who extends it to us. That same star in the Magi that led and inspired them also shines for us. It shines in us and all around us. And although its light is not generally bright enough to illumine every step of our entire path, it is sufficient to make the next step. So as we cross into the coming year, where do you find yourself on this path? What gifts might you offer and bring to the world that no one else can? And where are the unfamiliar and even uncomfortable places where God is calling you and calling us as a people of faith? Echoing the words of Diana Butler Bass, Epiphany is a manifestation. The mystery revealed an invitation to discover God and goodness and grace. My friends, it doesn't eliminate the darkness, but it beckons us to pay attention and participate in the widening of a circle of light in the world. To push back against injustice and brutality. To seek home by another way, which offers healing and liberation and peace. So I hope you remember that Epiphany is more than a day. It's a way. It's not just the week following Christmas or the Magi's visit. This is a season of extraordinary time, of the breaking in of creation's promise, of a new humanity. Blessings and traveling mercies as you journey. I look forward to walking with you in the year to come. Happy Epiphany, friends. The takeaways for today are this. 
Being people of the way means that we follow a call instead of power and comfort. Home may look and feel different than where we first started. And home is a place where all are welcome as we are transformed. May it be so. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. If you'd like more information about our church or our vision to eradicate social isolation and disconnection by practicing the faithful presence of the incarnate Christ, please visit GoStAndrew.com. See you next week.